Uh, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing this uh, to us, Lord uh, James. Thank you for James's words to us. I pray that you would speak, God, that your presence would be here, that you would work, Lord, that you would awaken our souls. And we just love you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to do a little poll. There are two things that go well together. What was your first reaction? Go. What? Shoes and socks. All right, something else? Chips and cheese. Fred and Sarah and Ginger Rogers, the dancing thing. Okay, anything else? My first reaction, of course, right? Peanut butter and jelly. Nobody? Anybody else? Okay, something. Yeah, go. Peanut butter and jelly, sorry. Yeah, I do a peanut butter and honey. Anybody? I, I like that. Throw the jelly away. It's all about the honey, good honey. Um, here's one thing that I love that goes well together that I have, uh, I've been addicted to for the last two months. Meat and pie. You put it together, it's a meat pie. Anybody been down under and ate a meat pie? It's the most glorious experience you'll ever have, I promise you. I mean, it's meat with crust and flakiness, and it's in this little pie. And um, so addicted are we that we went to Australia and New Zealand and we came back. Kanani bought a meat pie maker. So every time I go to Kanani's house, guess what I'm eating? Pie with meat in it, pie with bacon and egg in it, Pie with chicken and broccoli in it. I don't know what else you can put in. I'm not sure what else. Um, and guess what I just bought the other day? It was on sale at Macy's. I myself am an owner of a meat pie maker right now. So we are going to have a meat pie fest. We should have an event. Yeah, just bring all your fillings and we'll just <laughs> make it in pie form for you. Whatever it is. Oreo cookies. I don't care. We'll do whatever it is. Um, but the reason why we're asking this question is, is um, James here is talking about two things that go together well. He's talking about this thing called faith, our belief in Christ Jesus on one side, and he's bringing good works and action on the other. And this is a pretty powerful scripture. It's probably one of the more famous scriptures in James. And what he's saying is, you know, they shouldn't be separate. They should be together, and they are one. Faith and good works and action are one. You know, have you ever tried, have you ever changed your mind on a peanut butter, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Like, no, I think I just want the peanut butter and the jelly separate. You ever try to separate that? It's like, <laughs> you know, you took it out and you're like, oh, here's the peanut butter. No, it's impossible. It's, you basically have to eat it. You're stuck with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And here James is saying, you know what? When you have faith, the good works should come along with it. And so let's turn to James 2, uh, verse 14. I'm going to read through it. And, and then I want to I say something before we start. But I want to read it first so we get kind of where the gist where we're going. In verse 14 of chapter 2 of James, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has uh, no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, other people have good deeds, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you! Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? 
How many guys need some recovery time after reading that? Seriously. Uh, James is stepping on some major toes. He's like, you know what, guys? You need faith and good deeds. If you don't, it, your faith is dead and useless if you don't have the good deeds. Now, here's the thing. I definitely want to say this because you're wondering, well, what about these good deeds? Are like, uh, I have to have good deeds if I have faith in God. Does that mean I have to work my way to heaven? That means I'm not saved. And here, I want to make one thing clear. James here is not talking about your salvation. Are you guys hearing me? I don't want you guys to go there going, oh man, you're feeling like, oh, I'm going to go to hell and I got I to gotta pray to God again. I better do some good stuff to earn my way to heaven. No, that is not what James is saying here. It's clear in the Bible, right? And it's not contradicting itself. It's clear in the Bible that we are saved through faith alone. You hearing me? I want to make that clear because in Romans 3.28 says this, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. It's very clear there. We are saved through faith by our belief in God. Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus. By your grace, I can go to heaven. I am a child of God. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2.8 says this, one of the first, first verses. This is, a, this is, you know, if you're a brand new Christian, you should know this verse because you should live by this verse because this is the reason why you're here and why you're saved. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace, grace means undeserved merit, undeserved favor. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, and this is the best part, it is a gift of God. Not of works, right? I said that, good works. Not of works, least anyone should boast. God is saying, you know that gift of salvation? It's a gift. I gave it to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't do like a little dance or, you know, did all this stuff or these religious acts and go, okay, I'll give it to you. Jesus, got, Jesus gave it to us freely, amen? And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're saved by grace? That when you say, I believe in you, you're forgiven and cleansed? Oh my gosh, that's just, it's like uh, I was in a mini church, uh, a youth mini church, maybe, well, when I was a youth pastor. And I remember one kid's all, dude, it's like I hit the jackpot. It's like I won the lottery. It's like, I can't believe this. It is. It's like, oh, I can't believe that we are saved by grace. Um, what James is saying, and you have to get this, this is what James is saying, is that if, if we have real faith, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we are his disciples, then fruit just should produce itself. That, that good works should come out of us naturally. You know, if I'm a tree planted by good stuff, water and nutrients and fertilizer, and take, again, take care, I'm just standing there and sucking it up. If I'm an apple tree, I'm going to produce apples. Apples are going to come out like, bloop, 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 bloop. And I'm just doing nothing. I'm just sucking up stuff. So if I'm sucking up God and, and faith, it's like the actions should show. Are you guys with me? Okay. And in uh, Galatians 5, verse 6, one of my favorite verses is, I have a lot of favorite verses. You should too. A little advice there. Um, Galatians 5, 6 says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now, that's a great verse, and I understand this because I'm a musician. I play the drums. Any drummers out there? I'm alone. Okay. Snake, where you at? <laughs> you just played for us. Thanks. Thanks, man. That was, that was the whoo that I heard. Um, drums is awesome. You know, I took piano lessons. I learned the guitar. And piano, you got to, like, put your fingers in the right place. You got to, like, get the right timing. You got to read notes. Guitar, you got you to know chords. And, like, it's, you got to think about it. Drums, you know what you do? You hit. It's so awesome. Try, seriously, try it. Grab a drumstick and just go, boom. It's so therapeutic, I promise you. It's like, oh, that was great. 
you know? And, and, and as a musician, you feel the music, especially as a drummer, you feel the music. If the, if the music's going a little bit softer, you go a little bit softer. You hit, hit the drums a little bit softer. If the music gets a little bit louder, more dramatic, you go, yeah, I'm hitting it. I'm going, I'm going loud. And you're kind of reacting to the music. What you're doing is you're expressing the, the feeling that you're getting through the drums. And it's the same thing with our faith. What it's saying is here, it's, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. As Christians, as followers of Christ, if we're feeling the rhythms of God and faith is in here, we should be, it should be coming out of us, expressing itself. Um, Jesus, when he was here on earth, um, let's see if you know your Bible, it says, uh, you will know my disciples by what? Thanks, Kanani. You're a pastor. It doesn't count. <laughs> you will know my... Taylor, you got it? Nice, thanks. Um, you will know my, my disciples, not by just love. It says, you'll know my disciples by the love that they show to each other. Now get that. It, it's, it's, people will look at them and go, whoa, they're doing that love thing? Whoa, they must be Christians. I see that with my own eyes. It's, shown, it's, it's being shown out to the world. They must be those Jesus freaks. You know? And he, the number one characteristic, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, your number one characteristic should be love. It shouldn't be just in here and go, I love. And you're standing here, don't, don't you know I just love? And you're standing here thinking people know. People should see it. Are you, are you hearing me? It should be action. It should be out loud. And it should come out of us naturally. It shouldn't be just this, I have to do it. Um, and so that, that's, that's James Hart. It should come out of us naturally. So here we go. We're going to go back. Well, I just want to, you know, there's proof. Do you guys see proof in our church? I, I hope you do. I mean, when those guys from Sendai came, it was amazing. Um, the people who housed them, who drove around, Tate didn't get any sleep because he was driving those kids all the way around. But the most awesome thing, I love this about our church, we didn't have, um, we had too much people signed up. We had too much people signed up to help, and we had to tell people, sorry, um, you can't help those kids because we already got, we got, got it covered. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, this is flowing out of our church. Uh, how do you guys know Rack Rakoma in our church? He goes to our church. That guy, um, he, had, he has a, such a faith that he was called to Kalihi and minister to gang members. I mean, this guy's in his 50s, and he's relating to gang members because he was compelled, right? His faith compelled him. Uh, he couldn't help himself to help these guys. Um, we should see it in our church. I hope you guys see it in your mini church. I hope you see it when you come to church that there's love. And there is love in this church. Amen? I love it. But I'm going to read um, verse 14 again, and it says this. It says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who, was, who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Now here, James is asking some really good questions. And you notice one thing about this. He doesn't even answer himself. You know why? Because they're so good questions. They're obvious questions. Um, when you're a little kid and you're scolded by your parents, don't you hate when, when you realize you're getting scolded by your parents and you absolutely know in your heart that they're right? Don't you hate that? When you're getting scolded? I remember I ripped my, my auntie's like Filipino Filipino dress that they wear at weddings. And in her Filipino You know what you did? You know, she's yelling at me and I can't do a good Filipino accent. Where's Frank? Sorry. 
she's yelling at me, and I'm just like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I ripped your dress. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know? And here, James is like, dude, is that, is that going to be any good? Um, if you, is, your, is that kind of faith? If you're just doing it by faith alone, is that going to save anyone? And you're like, no. What good does that do? Nothing. You're right. Um, and the first question is great because he's saying, is that going to save anyone? If we don't show our faith, if no one sees the evidence of it or the power of it, who in the world is going to come to Christ? All we are is if we're, we're someone that's, you know, I'm going to get deeper in the Lord. I'm just going to get so deep that no one sees me. I'm stuck in a hole. If no one sees you, then, and you know what? You know what's even worse than that? A whole mini church. Yeah, we're stuck in this hole. Yeah, here we are. We're loving God. And no one gets saved? I mean, think about in your life. Think about this. Who, why are you here? Who, who did you see that had the love of Christ in them that brought you here? That brought you to the seat that you're sitting in right now? If they didn't show that love, then I'm sorry, you wouldn't have seen it. You hearing me? No one's going to get saved by a faith that's just, yep, here we are. I'm just going to be me and God, a holy huddle, and I'm going to get to heaven. Great. No, no one. The other question is, what good that is it going to come out of? Like, you know, I, I watch, I mean, Samaritan's Purse. Aren't they great? I, I mean, here's the thing about watching that video. Because, you know, we've all seen those videos, and it's almost like you feel guilty if you don't give. It's like, you know, you see this like, poor kids, you're like, oh, I've got to give. I see that, I'm going, no, th- I'm compelled to give because, man, th- they're, they're sharing the gospel. That little kid praying like, for Jesus Christ, I'm like, I'm going to the homeland. I'm going to the Philippines. I, I mean, I, I'm watching that, and uh, uh, the 7 o'clock service, my mom's laughing. <laughs> I guess we're going to go on a trip to the Philippines. When that commercial was playing, I was at the 7 o'clock service, there's people crying. There's people bawling. I mean, I heard, I, just, I heard people, like, just holding back the tears. And you know what that is? I believe that's the faith of God coming out in their compassion. I mean, you read about Jesus, he was compelled by compassion. His faith in God drew him to people, to help people. He couldn't help himself but show good works. And, um, you know, the problem with just faith alone, if we just separate faith and the good works and there's no good works, the problem with that is, is that we believe in God, we believe in God, but we don't want to do anything about it. That's the problem. And you know what James says it? pretty clear here, and you can't get around this. He says, good for you, even the demons believe this. Even the demons. The demons are believers. Whoa. If you just believe, then you're in the same level as believers. Um, I'm, you guys, this is Carl's service, so I know you guys know this. Remember Carl's sermon about the difference between believers and followers? Do you go to this church? Believers and followers. And the, the big difference is believers just believe. Followers follow. When Jesus said, follow me, when he was on earth, and he said, disciples, follow me. What did the disciples do? They did, did they just sit in the boat? Okay. No, what they did was they saw Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. They took a step. An action. Then they took another step towards him. And when Jesus walked away, they followed him. When Jesus turned this way, they turned. And a lot of us, if we're in this rut here, if we're just having faith without the good deeds, this is what we do. Jesus says, come to me, follow me, follow where I'm going. And we go, okay, cool, awesome, I will. 
And we watch Jesus walk away, and then we sit down. And we watch him walk into the sunset. And he gets a little blurry because the mist is coming over. And, and, the, and the awesome thing is, is that we, we, we sit here and we believe. That's awesome. We're saved. We have salvation. And what we just watch Jesus do all the miracles, and we just, oh, awesome job, Jesus. Hey, good. It's good you do that. And he's way off in the distance, and he, he walks over there, and he helps more people, and go, oh, awesome. And that's, that's all we do. You know? I mean, we're, we're just watching, and we can't hear the voice of Jesus. He can't tell us to go. And the, the awesome, and I'm going to tell you this, the most awesome thing about our God is that the reason why he says, follow me, is, the re- is he wants us to be part of the journey. I mean, it's awesome when he comes and, and we were partnering with him and we're walking right beside him and then we get to heal people in his name. We get to cast out demons under his authority. And we're like, awesome, thank you, Lord. He's wanting us to join. He's saying, follow me. Um, and I was thinking, I was studying for this sermon. And I'm like thinking, well, who, are, who in our church are examples of this where they just have faith but no good works? You know, I'm looking, I'm like, I'm trying to like, scan my brain. I'm like, maybe Tate? Maybe. <laughs> not you. Not you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, and you know what? I couldn't think of anybody. So you're safe, Tate. You know what I could think of? Me. There are times in my life when all I had was faith. I had nothing to prove for it. Nothing. There's two times. I, um, the, the, the first time was when I first got saved. And this is really easy, right? Because I was eight years old, and I got saved. Why? Because someone said, if I don't get saved, if I don't believe in Jesus Christ, I'm going to hell. And if you're eight years old, and you're thinking, hell ain't a good place, give me Jesus. Right now, give me Jesus. I want it now. But you know what? That was only a fire insurance. Right? All it was was, I'm going to live my life the way I want to, all, you know, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want, but as soon as I go to heaven, as soon as I die, yay, I'm with Jesus. Right? At eight years old, that, that's, that's what you're thinking. Um, and so, after I got saved, nothing changed in my life. I, I did what I wanted to do. Um, ask my mom, she'll give you stories, right? I was a heavy metal head, man. I was like all into Iron Maiden and Metallica, you know, I was just like trying to be tough because I was a short little Filipino guy. So I had to be tough. Um, you know what pulled me out? Thank God. Came to this church. My brother paid me five bucks to come to mini church. He bribed me to church. I ended up in a youth camp with Carl. We, me and Carl were in junior high at the time. Got filled up with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was awesome. I remember soaking. I'm going, I've never experienced anything in this in my life. At Camp Timberline. I love that place. Good memories. Um, I got filled up with the Spirit, and I came home. I remember. I couldn't help. I was like, dude, get, get me involved. I want to do stuff. I, could, I remember the, just the excitement I had. It was like, because I came to a point where I just, you know what, God? My ideas and the way I'm living ain't working anymore. I need to surrender. That's what I did at camp. I'm like, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. And, and he gave it to me. And I just had, I, I started joining the, the worship team. I started learning how to play guitar. Uh, me and Carl made a band. We did. <laughs> Ask him about it. He was a, Carl was the lead singer. Can you believe it? That was awesome. I think he might have still a tape. That would be awesome to hear that. Um, and we're doing all this thing. We got in the ministry. I became a mini church shepherd. I became a leader in all this. And I saw the oh, wonderful things of God. And so I came out of that. Later on, back in the, uh, the 90s, um, I kind of slipped back. 
you know, I did the work of the Lord, you know, I, I did all that, I was on the leadership team, and I've seen God, I've heard, you know, hundreds of sermons, and I was like, I'm, a, I'm mature in the Lord, and you know what I, I fell into? I fell back into this faith without works thing. Why? It's because I wanted to do my, my own thing. I came to a point in my life going, you know what? It's Tom time. Anybody been there? It's, it's me time. It's me to do what I want. I want to make the decisions. I don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit tell me what to do. I don't want to be a follower of Christ. I don't want to follow. I don't want to walk and do all these miracles. <laughs> I want to do my thing. I got stuff to do. And um, you know what? That was a dark time. I mean, I had some great moments. I had some great times. But you know what? I wasn't a nice guy. I wasn't doing anything for the Lord. I didn't have any excitement. I didn't have any passion in my life. I was living in sin. I was doing stuff that I shouldn't have. I wasn't following God's direction. And every time I opened the Bible, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to read the Bible. You know why? Because the Bible, in Hebrews it says, uh, is alive and powerful. It says the word is alive and powerful. Do you guys believe that? It's alive and powerful. It's active. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It will cut between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. It will expose your innermost thoughts and desires. That's what it says in Hebrews. I mean, just in that scripture alone, you have to believe if you have faith and if you read the word of God, it's going to transform you. It's going to change you. And so what happened is when I opened the Bible when I was in this, this uh, slump, I read the Bible, I opened it, and I didn't want to hear it. Why? Because that part of the cutting really sucked. Can I say that? Sorry sucked. It did. It, it hurt. And I didn't want to read it anymore. I, I couldn't stand reading the Bible because it, it, it's like, it showed me all my sin. You know? I was a believer. I was saved. But that's all I had was my faith. That's all I had. And the only moment, and it wasn't just one moment. I can't just go, oh yeah, I just, but it was over time when I just said, you know what? I'm tired of this. You know, it was a process where I said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of making my own decisions. I'm tired of, of me time. Seriously, me time sucks. It does. Because God has so much more for you. Uh, let me tell you guys, God has so much more in Ephesians where it says he has way beyond what you can think or imagine. All your dreams, all, you want to go here like, yeah, I want to go here. Yay. God's all, dude, I, always, I have plans to go here and beyond. And when you finally go, God, I surrender to you. That's what happened to me. I surrendered. I'm like, God, this ain't working anymore. My life ain't working. My decisions ain't working. Me time ain't working anymore. I just surrendered to God. I give it to you. And the most awesome thing about Jesus is, while I was sitting here and watching him walk away and I'm doing all those great things, as soon as I stood up, and as soon as I said, God, I want to follow you. I want to give. And I took my first step. Jesus, in all his power, being everywhere, even though he, I felt like he was far away, as soon as I did that, guess where he was? He came right there. Bam, he was right there. He was right in my face. He's like, thank you. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you to say, I'm sorry that you're going to give my life. You're ready to follow me. I've been waiting for you. Here we go. Let's do this. Let's go on this adventure. Because actually, you're going to read in James. James is so good. Later in James, it says, you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That's God's promise, is when, when we start stepping, right, and we go, okay, God, I'm going to try. Okay, I'm, tr- I'm walking towards you. Jesus, I'll, 
You draw near me, I'll draw near to you. I'll be right there. Let's go. Let's do this. The repentance and the grace of God. That's why they call it amazing grace, by the way. It's not just grace. Yeah, it's grace. Awesome. It's amazing grace. It should blow your minds away how good and how quick that God will, will come to you, to you after repenting and surrendering to him. Um, let's go on. Let's, let's, let's kind of discuss the other side, right? We talked about faith alone. And then we, we faith alone without the good works. Well, let's, let's look at the other side. The other side is, is, is uh, good works alone, action alone, with no faith, with no relationship, no belief. Um, it says this, it says in verse 21, it says, Don't you remember our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God uh, by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith... And his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. So here we go. Um, James is talking about the story of Abraham. Everyone know it? Story of Abraham? Um, he had his son Isaac, and Isaac was the promise of God. Um, God promised Isaac, I will build a nation. Your, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And he didn't have any kids, and he was getting old. So God promised him something, and he, got, he had this kid, Isaac. Awesome, the promise of God right there. And then what did God do? He said, sacrifice your son. Wow. God, that's, that's the promise of God right before me. Like, you're, you're telling me? And, and the most awesome thing, I'm, I'm just kind of injecting what Abraham thought. Because if you actually read the word, it's pretty powerful. It says, sacrifice uh, your son. The next verse says, then Abraham got up the next morning and went. He didn't say he complained or whined. He just said, okay, I'll go. And I have, you have to think about that. Because if it was just him doing an action or a good work, going, okay, I'm going to do good things. He wasn't asking, oh, give to the poor. Or help that, you know, that elderly person. Or give money to someone. He wasn't saying that. He's saying, sacrifice your son. The only thing that compelled Abraham to do that was his faith in God. Would you guys agree? I have to, I have to think that he had such faith that he would say, you know what? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll do what you, you're asking me to. But I know that you have the power to raise him to, from the dead. I know if I kill him that maybe you're going you're gonna to provide me another son and fulfill this promise. But you know what? It was his faith that compelled him. And it wasn't just this good works. And the problem with separating the two, sep- the, the problem with going, you know what? I have no faith and I'm just going to earn my way and I'm going I'm to put a good face on it and have all these good works. There, there's a problem there. Now, how many guys, don't raise your hand on this. <laughs> but I'm sure you guys know. How many of you guys know the church face? <laughs> guys, guys you're, you're giving to me right now. No, I'm just joking. The church face. You know the church face when you had a hard morning, you fought with your wife, and you go, and you come to church, praise the Lord! God is good all the time! And under your breath, like, not this morning, but all the time. You know, the church face. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to do good things. I'm going to do all this work. Uh, look at me, I'm in ministry. I'm doing a lot for the Lord. Look at, mm, yep, see this? Yep. You're doing, you put the church face on. Come on, I've, I've been guilty of that. 
Okay? The problem with that is, is that we're, we're basing our whole thing on these, these good works, these actions. And it's, it's basically, that's our self-worth. Going, look at me. Look at all this stuff I'm stacking up. And like what I, I'm not sure if I said this or not. But guess what? Our good works, you, you could feed homeless all over the world. You can walk a hundred old ladies across the street. And still, I'm sorry, but your, your works will not amount to much compared to God. Because God's standard is up here. God's standard is saying, you know what? Here's my standard. Here's what I, I require. And there's no way you're going to amount to that. Are you guys with me? The awesome thing about that is, right, what I said? The amazing grace of God. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. But you know who's guilty of this? Um, the guilty of doing the works without faith? You know who's really guilty of this? Pastors. People in ministry. Helping out with the children's church or helping out with the youth group or, or ushering or whatever it is. And we're coming up here and we're just doing the work of the Lord. Doing the work of the Lord. And you know what we forget? Our relationship with Jesus Christ. We forget the person that called us to the ministry in the first place. Are you with me? We forget that. We forget our relationship, and it's basically just all works. Um, I love Pastor Ralph, and one of the things that is embedded in my brain is this. Uh, it was this is a while back, so don't you know? Don't go to Ralph. Go. You know what Tom said about you? Don't say that. Um, this is great, though. This is a great. This is a great example of your pastor, Pastor Ralph. Um, he was kind of going through this. He was going through a time when. He's on Hope Chapel, man. He's doing a lot of work. You know, 700 churches were started from this thing. And, but he, his, his relationship with Jesus Christ started to wane. It, was, it wasn't as, he wasn't as close anymore. And the most awesome thing is he went in front of a whole bunch of leaders and he admitted it. He said, you know what? I am sorry. I come before you guys right now. You know, I, I, it's, it, this is, it's been weighing on me. And I remember when he said that. He said, you know what? Made me realize it. Um, his wife, Ruby. How many of you guys know his wife, Ruby? Um, his, it's awesome because she's a woman that's going to tell him, you know, like it is. Uh, how many of you guys have a wife like that that's going to tell you like it is? <laughs> They're going to tell you stuff that you don't want to hear, but you're like, you're right. Okay. Um, but Ruby tell him this, and he, he confesses to the whole the leadership. He said, you know what? Ruby said, you know what your problem is? You can go up and preach and do good without the Holy Spirit. And that hit him to the core. That was like, <sighs> and he was telling us, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that anymore. And as for me as a pastor, I don't want to come up here, do the Tom thing. Do the Tom show. I want to come up here with the Holy Spirit and God speaking through me to you guys. I, I, I learned something that day, that I don't want to come up here without God. I need God. I have to have God in my life. And I'm challenging you guys who are in ministry. I mean, you don't have to be in church ministry because I know God is calling you to different things. If you're doing things for God, don't forget the person who called you. Jesus Christ who called you. Because in that relationship, that's where everything flows from. Jesus, God, is way more concerned of who you are than what you're doing. You guys hear what I just said? I didn't, I didn't make that up. That was a quote. So, Jesus Christ is more concerned of who you are, your relationship with him, than what you do. But he knows, and this is the awesome thing about God is, is that when you're close to him, when you're hearing his voice, when you're going, God, whatever you want, I surrender to you. The, the actions and the goodies flow out of it. Why? Because you're compelled to do it. You can't help yourself but do it. Um, let's keep going. Let's keep going to the end here. 
says in verse 25, um, it says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Okay, so here, uh, at the end of James chapter 2, he's talking about Rahab. He's giving another example of faith and action together, right? You guys know the story? Rahab lived in Jericho. Um, The Israelites were going to take over Jericho. Their uh, reputation uh, preceded them, and Rahab knew that God was powerful in their lives, that he took them out of Egypt and got the Red Seas parted and all that. So they heard all, she heard all the stories, and you know what she did? She believed. She says, wow, the God you believe in, that's the God I want to believe in. And she didn't just sit there going, okay, great, attack my city, and, well, your God is great. She did something about it. She brought in the spies, right? Hid them. You guys know the story? All right, cool. Now you do. Um, she hid them, and they took over the city, and God blessed them, and God blessed Rahab, who wasn't even Jewish or an Israelite, but she, came, she became part of their family. It's awesome. I love, I love that, that uh, James uses this example because she wasn't even, um, you know, blood, you know. Um, but in the message... Um, I want to read the message version. How many guys read the message version? Um, I, I want to encourage you guys. It's, and it's not, the message version of the Bible is not the main, my main reading Bible. I read the NLT. But the message version just, you know, sometimes you can read a verse and go, ooh, I want to read the message version of it. And sometimes it's all right, but sometimes it's just awesome. It just blows your mind. And um, the message version of this verse is pretty incredible. Let me read this. It says, the same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing? I want to just stop there. That is just great right there. The seamless unity of believing, faith, and doing good works. What James is saying here is going, it's one. It has become one. You can't separate the two anymore. Faith and good works is just one thing, right? And he says, um, the very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Right? If, this, if my spirit left me and there was just my body, I'll be, I'll be dead. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing, a corpse. Does that hit you right in the gut or what? It's like, whoa, if I separate my faith and my works, I'm, I'm dead. I'm a dead body. Um, and that, that visual picture is, is it's pretty strong. And you're probably thinking, thanks a lot, Tom. I'm going to go home with that. You have three minutes left. Thank you for encouraging me that I'm a dead corpse. <laughs> and I want to I wanna encourage you guys right now. Because the God I believe in is able to do mighty things. And the moment we say, you know, you might, be, you might be the walking dead right now. You might feel like that. I felt like that in my life. I'm just like, I've got no passion. I've got no love for God. My faith is like, oh, I don't know. What am I doing? I, I've been there, guys. I'm talking from experience. I've been there. I've been there. I've been, I, I, I've been where I'm just sitting and watching Jesus do great things. And I'm telling you, the most amazing thing is if you just stand up and you take a step and go, Jesus, I, I surrender. He's right there. 
I want to just tell you guys, the hope is that you're, you, you, God doesn't want you to be dead anymore. And, and in the scriptures, there's amazing verses all over in Psalms and in the New Testament. There's these amazing scriptures. And, and the New Testament says, um, Awake, O sleeper. There's another verse in Psalms where, where the psalmist was writing, Awake, my soul. And what he was, he was doing, he's not praying to God. He's not saying, Awake, soul, God. He's speaking to his own soul. He's saying, Awake, my soul. And my challenge to you guys is, if you're feeling a little dead, dead-like, and you're feeling, man, I suck, and I'm not worthy, and, oh, man, that's some pretty harsh stuff. I, uh, James is saying, you know what, there's a better way. There's an awesome God that is so wanting to be with you, to walk with you, to love you. And as soon as you repent and go, you know what, I'll awake my soul. So, right, let's go, let's do this. That's our God. And I want to pray for you guys right now. Uh, I want to I let the Holy Spirit work. Because in Ezekiel 37, there's a great picture of um, this valley of, of dry bones. And God says, speak to those bones. And what happened was God breathed life into those bones. And if you read Ezekiel, it says that when he breathed on it, muscles started to form. Meat started to form. <laughs> muscles. And then after that, skin came over it. And then... And God breathed his life, and the heart started beating, and breath of life came in it and, 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 and brought us to life. I mean, this is a wonderful picture of what God can do in your life. I mean, he, re- he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And we sang that, and God is able. And I promise, and I'm, I am telling you guys right now, God is able in your life to bring you to life. If you're willing, go, awake my soul. Awake me, Lord. I don't want to be asleep anymore. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads. And with, while you're sitting here, if you're, if you're wanting that, if that's the cry of your heart, if you're saying, awake my soul, I want to be awakened. I, I, want, I want good deeds to pour out of me because of my faith in Christ. I want to be alive. I want the, I want the world to know that I love Christ. I can't help it. If you want to be alive again, you want God to breathe on you, I just want, just kind of hold your hands out in front of you like, a, like you're going to receive something. I want to pray over you guys. Just show God you want to receive him and, and let him breathe life into you. God, right now, we just come before you. Lord, we claim, proclaim that you are able to do mighty works. You're able to breathe life into our dead bones. You're able to put meat and muscle onto us and skin and breathe your life into us, God, into our spirits. Lord, physically, we might look good and we look all right and we're in shape or whatever it is. But, Father God, our spirits are dying and dried up and dry bones, Lord. And I just pray right now we proclaim your breath into these people, into this place, into my, into my heart, into my bones, Father God. It would be life again, Lord Jesus. They bring passion again. They bring faith again, Lord, that the good deeds and actions would pour out of us naturally. That it wouldn't help but show the world how much um, you love us and how much we love the world. That they need to get saved. That you want, you want us to walk with you and follow you 
and be in partner with you and, and, and be on this incredible journey with you. But Father God, the first step, the first time right now is just breathe into our souls, breathe into our lives. Awaken us, Lord Jesus. Awake, O oh sleeper. Breathe in us right now, Lord Jesus. Just ask you to come. Keep on breathing, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. And Lord, I just want to thank you, God, that you have breathed upon us. Your life is moving through us, God. And this is just the beginning, God. Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here and continue this, Lord. That we want more of you, God. But Lord, I want to proclaim that you would just awaken dreams. Awaken dead dreams. Awaken dead hopes. Awaken dead passions in here, in this room, Lord Jesus. That gifts would be pouring out. That people would be doing things way beyond what they, could, they, they thought they could do. That, that that we would hear miracles from this day, that, that what you started here, Father God, of stories of people just awakening and doing things and people getting saved and miracles happening and just, Lord, we, we want to celebrate in that, God. But Father God, thank you for this awesome beginning, Lord Jesus. Just praise you. Thank you. I always want to say one more prayer. I want to definitely do this. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never said to him, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And because of that, I am forgiven. I am made whole. I am a child of God. And in that moment, when you say that to him, you'll become a Christian. You'll be born again. You'll be saved. In that moment, you'll be forgiven. And it's one of the most amazing moments in your life. If you guys remember what I said in the beginning, I said we are saved by grace through faith, not by what we do. So Jesus is saying to you, come just as you are right now with all your sin and all your failures and all your troubles. And I will, I will take that burden. I will forgive you. This is salvation we're talking about. You don't have to do anything but believe and have faith in him. But if you've never done that, I want to give an opportunity for you to do that this morning. Please do not walk out of here without doing this, without saying to Jesus, I believe in you. I want to become a Christian. I want to be a follower of you. I'm going to say a prayer in about 30 seconds, but I want you to tell me that you're going to be praying with me. Very simply, I'm going to count to three, and all you have to do is just raise your hand. Tell me that you're going to be praying with me. Are you guys ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Three. Does anybody want that? Just raise your hand. We got one. Awesome. Two. Anybody else? 
looking around, awesome. It's the best decision you'll ever make. You have become a child of God in this moment. It's awesome. Anybody else? All right. Bow your heads and say this prayer like it's your own. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. I want to thank you for dying for me. I want to thank you for giving your life on the cross, shedding your blood. You have done such an amazing work. And right now I accept that truth and I make you my Lord, my Savior, my King, Lord, my friend. Lord, I will not just be a believer, but I will be a follower of you. I will walk after you. I will listen to your voice and I will turn when you tell me to turn. But Father God, I am just coming as... uh, as I am, just I give you my burdens, my struggles, my sins, everything, Lord. And it's awesome because you have forgiven me. The amazing grace of the Lord is covering me now. I believe that. I thank you and I praise you for accepting me in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's give a hand for those people.